I I was personally super excited to do this show with you today because when I reached out, you said yes, which was awesome. And I know you're really busy. Um, but this guy, he's an actor. He's a comedian. He's he's probably, in my opinion, the best warm-up guy on network television, um, Bill Sindelar. Welcome, my friend. We've known each other. You're probably one of the... Uh, I don't mean oldest. Well, you're old, but you're one of like the like one of the first people I met in this business. Really, you really look at that handful of people. Well, yeah, because you we met when you were doing you know Doctor Gadget stuff on Wayne Brady. Wayne Brady, we met, first yeah, met. We met on Wayne Brady, and um, that's probably twenty at this point, like twenty twenty one years ago. At this point, oh my god, I am getting old. Dude, oh, don't even today. I had some kids in my audience at the talk that they were born. They're they're nineteen, which means they were born in like two thousand and what three two thousand and two. <laughs> ABC, NBC, CBS, Fox, more. Um, but I want to kind of dive in to growing up in Ohio because we actually have that in common. And I want to kind of get a feel for how that happened for you. What was that big moment, that big idea where you said, because I know you did, I, I, I know you did theater in, in, in high school. I know you did all that stuff. But what was the moment, Bill, where you said, I'm going to Hollywood? Um, it's funny. I was working at the drive-thru at McDonald's. And I'm like, I always feel like every opportunity is what you make of it, right? Like every job, you can say a job sucks, but that's kind of on you, right? Like it doesn't mean it doesn't suck, but it's like, what can you take from it? I had a blast working at McDonald's and I used to sing orders to people. I can't sing. I used to just have fun, whatever. And at the time I was going to school to be a sportscaster because I'm a huge sports guy. Uh, Midwest, you know, it's like I still go back for a Browns game. I mean, I'm still a huge Cleveland sports fan. You go back quite a bit guys, for Browns games. What'd you say? You go back quite a bit for Browns game. You just don't bounce back a little bit. You know what? Um, it, I promised myself I always wanted to have season tickets because that's my one guilty pleasure. And I, I've just learned, you know, I, I, you know, that saying work hard, play hard. But I realized I wasn't taking care of myself mentally. And, you know, obviously we're jumping a little bit, but it's hard when you- No, it's okay. We'll, we'll get back. It's all right. Yeah, but it's hard when you entertain people for a living and your job is to always make everybody else happy and have energy. But like, who does that for you? You know, and like, how do you take yourself out of that? And what do you do? You know, I don't even have kids. You know, my, I, I, I had to put my dogs down last year. So it's like, it's really just uh -huh. me. So- um, you know, it's just like, who takes care of you? And, and, and a couple of years ago, when the Cavs made the NBA Finals, I was just, I was working all the time and, and I did not want to miss a day at the talk. And, and a friend of mine said, you're the biggest Cleveland sports fan in the world. You just got offered tickets to by your friend who works for the Cavs to sit with the general manager and her at the game. And you are going to say no because you're afraid to miss one episode of the talk and we do 220 a year. 
And I was like, well, you know, and then because you always kind of think you're more important than you really are. <laughs> and it's not that you're not, but, you know, you go, oh, but then you realize, wow, the world, I missed a game. And I have that memory in my head of going to that very first NBA finals game. So you and missed the day and you went? I, I missed the day and I went. And then, okay. you know, then of course you come back and everybody's happy for you because they're like, wow, you got to go to the finals. And they knew I'm such a LeBron fan and a Cavs fan. And, you know, I used to be the announcer at the arena in Cleveland. So, um, you oh, know, I didn't know back, that. Yeah. So, well, to piggyback. Richfield, uh, Richfield Coliseum? No, uh, no, Gundarena. I know that sounds like an STD, but it's Gund <laughs> Arena. <laughs> it's not that anymore. <laughs> But no, I was working at the drive-through at McDonald's, and I wanted to be a sportscaster. And I was already working for the the, the local TV, the radio station there, and everything. And I was just singing in the drive-through and being stupid and having fun. And I used I, I I started to act as a way just to be somebody else. And 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 I started in high school because my senior year, I was like, you know, I'm gonna make people like me. And I got involved in every single activity. And people then were forced to like me because they had to rely on me for stuff. And so, and then they got to see and meet me differently. So anyway, tying the McDonald's story in, uh, I was just, you know, I was doing all this sports stuff and I had acted for fun, but I was just singing in the drive-through and this guy pulls up and I sing him his order back to him and give him his food. And he's like, are you an actor? And I was like, yeah. And he's like, here's my card. And it was an agent. And that's how I got my first agent in Cleveland. Really? And then I had done, I booked a commercial and I started, I got the job as the announcer in the arena. And I was kind of like, maybe I should be doing this for a living. And, um, you know, I was auditioning in like Pittsburgh and the tri-state area, kind of like Pittsburgh, Detroit, Cincinnati, because there wasn't stuff that came through Cleveland, but in, that, in those areas, a lot of movies and stuff would come through. And so even though I wasn't booking anything, I was like, all right, well, I'm graduating high school or college. I was working at SeaWorld, performing in shows and writing shows for the park and for Anheuser-Busch and stuff. And I was like, am I going to be a sportscaster or am I going to get into acting? And because the acting was going so well working at SeaWorld uh, at the time, I was like, you know, I guess I'm going to go into acting. And then I picked up my stuff and I moved to L.A. with two of my friends from Cleveland who I did not know were in a relationship. Um, and I found out when I moved in that they were gay and it freaked me out. And I was like, oh, my God, I can't live with two gay guys and make it as an actor. And I <laughs> plot twist. Uh, and then <laughs> we'll get there. <laughs> and then I moved back to Cleveland. But it was crazy because I lived in L.A. for two months. And the minute I stepped off the plane, I swear to you, I stepped off the plane. I was in the airport and I was at the gate. And I dropped my bag and I looked around and I was like, what the hell am I doing back here? But I knew I needed another year to kind of like figure out myself. I never lived on my own. My parents did a lot for me. And when I say do a lot for me, I lived at home. I lived at home during college. Uh, I worked all the time and I never was really on my own. You I mean, start doing those live, those live shows and entertainment in front of the SeaWorld crowd. And I mean, was that kind of the first, did you feel like you were warming people up or because you were in a, actually a show? Well, it's so funny because like we were part of the pre-show the first year and then they liked us so much that they brought us in to be in the whole show. And what the, so what's crazy is that's the first time when I really like my first time, like really interacting with people. 
and just like kind of doing improv and and it's crazy that foundation of working at SeaWorld, like a lot of the same stuff that I did back then, I still do now, you know, even in just the way I pick audience members as contestants or uh, the interaction. I mean, that's kind of one of the things with me doing warm up. you know, people think I'm a stand up and I only recently started doing stand up, but you know, my background was always improv and like, you know, I, I worked with Wayne Brady and, and, you know, I took classes and groundlings and did all that stuff. But I always treated warm up like, and I still do that now, as if I'm just an audience member with a microphone. Well, one of the things that I can tell you that I've personally experienced is, and when we met on Wayne Brady, you know, working with Wayne on the improvisational side, it's kind of like you have to kind of fit it in, you know, and I just created what I did, you know as the latest greatest, but it was really prior to, you know, studying acting and not getting a gig. And, but, but I remember so clearly with you, the day I met you, you made me feel like a superstar and you you. did that, but you've done that. And, you know, as we segued over to the talk coming off of Wayne Brady and John Redman and all those guys, which is everybody listening, that's the executive producer of the show is a phenomenal human being. And Wayne, you know, it's funny in this business, we can talk about phenomenal people and, you know, love working with these people, but you have a way of elevating everyone because you get everybody so excited, but you elevate the guest. I mean, I can remember, and I never told you this, but I got to tell you today because I was thinking about it yesterday. Um, I got... And, and, you know, in this warm, it's quick, and you we're going to talk about what you do behind the scenes. Yeah, no, no, no. But you got – the way you introduced me one time, and I didn't expect it, and you're probably going to remember it, I literally got a standing ovation from everybody. But it started with you. It started with you because the way you do it, the way you come around the door and all that stuff, and I think that's the talent. But was that your first warm-up gig? Uh, the, the talk, was it the first one? No, no, no. My first one, Wayne Brady? Wayne Brady was because so I used to work at Universal Studios and hosted shows in the park. And what's crazy is I got hired to do um, the Nickelodeon show there. And I was replacing this guy named Wayne Brady, who had just gotten Whose Line Is It Anyway? And Wayne, his wife at the time worked there and he was friends with everybody there. So when I got this Nickelodeon show, we all just hung out because we all knew each other. And then Wayne's uh, wife, Mandy, had told Wayne, you know, I really think you should hire this Bill guy to be your warm up guy for your shows. I think he would be really good. He's good with people and like, you know, interact stuff. And, 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 you know, I knew Wayne, but then, you know, Wayne's like, I would, he's like, I would rather hang out with you and have you be my warm up guy and us hang out during the show because I know you than someone else. So I actually did his variety show, which was way underrated on ABC. And it's hilarious. And if you can find clips, because it was near the start of the internet, but I know some clips make their way out there. The show was really, really funny. But uh, then out of that, then they approached Wayne about doing a talk show. So those were my first two gigs. And I mean, I really didn't know what I was doing. I ended up going to see all these shows in town and taking notes on like, Stuff I like that warm-up guys did, stuff that I didn't like, stuff I could do, stuff I couldn't do. 
Um, and then there was one guy named Roger Lumblade who took me under his wing. And Roger, I think I saw him, he was doing Frasier. But Roger took me under his wing and he was just like, if you have any questions, let me, you know, and he really helped me out uh, and helped me get started. How many of you have actually been thinking about a backyard makeover? Do you wish you had room for a pool? Well, you're going to love this idea and your family and friends, they're going to love it too. Get a Michael Phelps Swim Spa by Master Spas. A Michael Phelps Swim Spa combines the benefits of a pool with the therapy of a hot tub. It comes in a variety of sizes to complement almost any yard, even if it's a small backyard. Michael Phelps Swim Spas by Master Spas have a water current so you can swim, do aquatic exercises, and have fun with the kids. This will reinvent family time. The water buoyancy will relieve pressure on aching joints, and you can enjoy pure relaxation in the massage therapy seats of the swim spa. And since it's heated, you can use it year-round in any climate. Michael Phelps Swim Spas are 100% made in the USA by Master Spas, the world's largest swim spa manufacturer. You're going to love your Michael Phelps Swim Spa by Master Spas. Go to masterspas.com, put in the promo code BIGIDEA to save $1,000 on a Michael Phelps Swim Spa or $500 on a Master Spas hot tub. That's masterspas.com, promo code BIGIDEA. So, um, but on Wayne's show, it's interesting the stuff that I learned because uh, one of the, it's funny that you say that about introductions of people because I remember introducing a guest very early on at the show and I had a producer go, the audience wasn't excited to see them because you didn't have excitement in your voice. And I was like, well, let me write that down. So it always became one of those things though that, I, I, I learned so much at that point, like never let an audience member hold your microphone and sing. Like you learned, <laughs> learned so much on that show. Not a good idea. But yeah. no, but you, but you saying that though, it's funny because I very much so ever since, and I mean, we're talking about 20 years ago, 19 years ago, I make a very conscious effort to always make sure that I have excited inflection for people because I want the audience to get excited for them, even if they're not too sure exactly who they are, but then they feel like they're seeing somebody or something. But I can't believe you, you notice sometimes you don't think people notice little things, but that's definitely a little thing I always do. Well, I, no, a hundred percent. And I, and I wanted well, I always felt, looked forward to it, but also it just served such a grander purpose because, you know, you're out there and you're in front of a bunch of people and they already know you because they think I'm Santa Claus and, you know, you're playing all that thing. Because well, no, but, you know, but people forget too. And, and I, and I, it's weird because I, I'm not, I don't know. There's, there's a, there's a group of us guys that do warm up that are really, really good at the job. And it's because we know that there's more to it than it being about yourself. You're setting the tone of the room for everybody, the talent, the cameraman, the stage manager, the guests, everybody. And the one thing that I always pride myself on is like, I never want you to come out and go, oh my God, the audience is dead. Oh my gosh, they don't like me. Right, because as a performer, you know. You the energy. Yeah, and if you and come it's, and out. It's instantaneous. And that's actually what I was referring to you. Yeah. Because it's a gift and you've got it, but it's not just a warm-up gift. 
it's a talent gift. It's interaction. It's it's improvisational. It's comedic. It's everything wrapped into one question was when the Wayne Brady thing happened for you, uh, did you decide to pursue this path or do you feel that that path was determined by yourself and this was your path? You were going to be in Hollywood. Um, I thought because so many other people were warmups, Bob Saget, Nick Cannon, DL Hughley, um, Steve Harvey, they used to take and people that you don't know, but who like have gone on to be writers and created shows and have gotten embraced. I, I pursued warm up because a it's a it's a great it's a good living, you know. Especially if you're you know I moved out here to act and to host TV shows, but I did it because I thought it was a way to be showcased and a way for me to right. get to the next level. And you know, for some people it's in the cards, for some isn't. I know that there's. I mean. If, I could fill this room with all the promises I've had from people who have said they were going to hire me or find a show for me or people then when they were in the position, I would reach out to them and then I wouldn't even get an audition. And it's like, it's just, you know, at the end of the day, you know, you're good at a job. And it, honestly, it wasn't until like maybe 10 years ago, maybe, maybe even eight years ago that I finally was just like, I need to, just embrace being a warm-up guy and stop getting mad. And that's I get what that. I, I, I get that. You always want to aspire to be something better. And then when you embrace. Yeah. That's when the word took off. But the, but the thing about it too, though, is it wasn't that I, I, I guess I just was putting out that negative vibe of not wanting to do it, but it wasn't that it was like, I mean, I, I did a, sh I was doing warm-up. There was a network that watched me do warm-up created a game show based off of something I was doing, hired me to be the host to do the run-throughs, had me sign my contract to be the host, and then when it came time to green light the show and then the show went to stage, let me know they decided to move in a different direction with the host. Then I get hired to do a show and find out that I got hired to do warm-up on the show I helped create, which was about what I did. Ouch. Yeah, that's, 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 that's a hard... That's the worst part about it is the worst part. Ready for this is the director in my ear going, you know, Bill, you would have been a better host than this guy. We need to get you a show. And then somebody in the booth was like, this was the show that Bill, like they let him know that I was on all, and the director, you know, came up to me afterwards and apologized. I was like, you're just a fan of me, but that, you know, we all have those stories, but that was, you know, I think yeah. part of my, I think that's part of my problem right now too, is it's just if people see you in there, they see you as one way and you're so good at that one thing that like, how do they see you differently? You know? And I completely, uh, I completely relate to that because, yeah. and one of the things that, well, I've always known that about you just flat out super talented. Um, but when you look at like the, the COVID transition, really, really tough because, you know, my entire career, your entire career has been honed, if you will, and blossomed around daytime television. And groups of people. And group, yeah. And, you know, the the most beautiful thing and the interaction and the stuff and everybody that's listening, you know, you get a chance. Just go look at Bill's website. Just the, just the inserts that you've done and the comedic stuff that you've done. Um, it's 
it's clearly something to be reckoned with. But I think what's fascinating about what you do and how good you do it for everybody is that there aren't a lot of people that do this. There are people that try to do it, but there aren't a lot of people that have longevity like you have had. Um, like, for example, like you talked about the talk. Um, just take us through a day of warm up, and then we'll talk about. Yeah, no, I mean, I, like, like, because, like, right now, I'm doing the voice, the talk, and the reboot of Night Court, which are all three completely different types of warm up jobs to be doing. Right. Um, and you know, the talk is interesting. <laughs> I mean, the, the timing of this is the question is kind of funny because. That's why I write them. No, just kidding. No, you know, you know what? Well, because what's weird is I've been on the show since day two because they didn't think they needed a warm up, and then I came on day two. Uh, but, but it's it's taken me almost a full season to figure out how to work with these hosts. And what's crazy is like these hosts on the show now are so great, and it's it's and when I say that, that's not me saying the other hosts weren't. It's just a different show for me. Because before, I always had to drive the brakes. You know, there was always the, the host had other uh, things going on or being produced or whatever. And this group of hosts, they want to be part of the brakes. So like they're, you know, like we'll carry over topics or I'll talk with them or there's a lot of interaction between all of us. Plus it's set up, it's set up differently. There's chairs. Yeah, it's just the, the topics aren't like before the topics were a little too serious maybe for me to try to interact with the hosts. But now, you know, we have fun topics. Like today, a topic was, you know, should should children be allowed in bars uh, because bars are starting to cater to kids? Is it okay for kids to come to bars? You know, and it turns into yeah. a, a, a fun, a little bit serious, but a fun conversation rather than Bill Cosby's in the news today. You know, it's like, how do you bounce back from that and go to commercial break? But for me, a, a regular day on the talk, is I wake up in the morning and I, I I I do a lot of work that maybe other people don't do warm ups. Uh, I don't know what their routines are, but I'm you know I wake up every morning and I read every single topic, and if I have questions, then I email the topics producer, um, and then I, I, I my call time you know is at nine thirty. It's a late call time for me, but um, I get in and. I'll go over the show with the stage manager, make sure there's nothing that I have to know. Like maybe we have an audience surprise and I know where it's happening and when, or they might do comic bits with people or when clips are coming in out of commercial breaks. Um, then we load the audience. The audience right now, uh, we're allowed to have, uh, I believe it's 120 people, you know, cause audiences still aren't back everywhere. Um, I'm yeah, still I try to tell people that and they don't get it. It's just a, it's not, the numbers that you know no, and, I mean, on the voice that's a little bit more difficult to work with a smaller audience than the larger ones that you're used to it depends on the show okay it depends on the show I, I i will tell you this at night court we were we we had a very small group at the beginning for when we started because that's all we were allowed and my audience on a sitcom with a smaller group is better than a full audience of 150. and it's partly because they're you know, warm up on a sitcom is a marathon, right? It'll take us three and a half to six hours to shoot a sitcom. So you're not coming out of the gate going, hey, blah, blah, blah. you know, you're, <laughs> you can't do, you will never sustain the audience's energy for that for three hours 
to six hours if that's what it is for sick for like you know for a for a talk show we have an hour and it's live and it can't fail right it can't you can't fail with the jokes you can't fail with the guest you can't fail with the applause missing we can't fix that in post we can't insert shots right we can't take out a story if a guest story is a little boring it doesn't have a tag yeah right so on a sitcom of the smaller group i find it's easier to relate with because you can literally sit and talk and everybody's there and they feel like they're in this thing together and we have fun whereas if it was the talk and it was 30 some people like even now you know we have 120 maybe 130 something like that if i get like 20 or 30 people that don't clap it sucks the complete the energy out of the whole studio yeah, that's just kind of as I was thinking the the reference to daytime talk. I can completely see the dynamic of a sitcom and the intimacy and all the things that go with that. Yeah. But not only I didn't know about the Night Court. That's fascinating as a sitcom. And then yeah, great John Larroquette's there. Melissa Roush from Big Bang's doing it. Yep. And you've got the Connors. Yeah, I got the Connors. Although we don't know if we're going to have audiences, we'll see. Uh, that's part of what my day has been the past 24 hours. It's that thing of like, hey, you're working. Hey, you're not. Hey, you are. I mean, I'm big brother. Hey, we're going to have an audience. Now we're not going to. Hey, keep your schedule available. We think we are. Then they didn't have one. I mean, it's it's been, you know, our you know how our jobs are. We're only as good as our next gig. And you try to be consistent. You're <laughs> only as good as your last gig. I mean, you know. And <laughs> I mean, that's the same parallel, right? Same parallel. Some but, uh, uh, fascinating. You know, I want to talk, talk about the Connors because you've had you've had to deal with well actually you've had to deal without we, we don't have to name people but we all know between the daytime talk and the, the talent a lot of controversy over the last few years that have ridden through the, the stars on these shows and you know not that not you're in you're out but you're you're you, you must have to reinvent the wheel when new cast members come on and new producers and things like that i remember walking around the cbs lot with you when there was a certain producer that came into the talk and it was driving everybody crazy, including me. And I remember having the talk with you and walking with you and then talking to John Redman. And I had an opportunity and a phone call that came because everybody else knew the controversy was going on. And it was like, yeah, I'm going to go, uh, go on the view for 10 years, you know? <laughs> so it's like, but it's, it's such an incredible thing that you do. And I, I really, I just show up. It's hard. I just, I have learned, I'm still learning, but it's, you know, I just show up when there's an audience and I go home. So even when there's a lot of other things going on, a lot of times I'm not in that firestorm or around it. I mean, you know, it does get tough sometimes when you have to try to interact with talent and if they don't want to interact with you or they're having an issue with somebody else or you know, but that's where my job, like I said, it can't fail. Like, it, you know, I can't have, uh, you know, there was a guest who came onto our show and she was really good friends with another talk show host in the city. And she made the comment of how much she loved coming to our show because our audience was always so funny and open and welcome. And she could actually talk about herself rather than going on other shows where the show that this host was the friend was all about gags and bits and stuff. And it was more or less, they were the butt of all these jokes rather than being there to talk about their project and what they've been doing. Well, it's a fickle, it's a fickle industry. I remember being yeah. a part, jumping back to Wayne Brady, but as a reference, winning talk show of the year 
Well, and getting canceled. We beat Dr. Phil, and Dr. Phil thought he was throwing a party for winning best show, and then we won best show. Yeah, <laughs> and, and you know, John Redman, bless his heart, he was like, we're going to create a category and solicit the daytime Emmys because of what you do. And I'm like, this is cool, you know, this, but there's some powerful things there. Um, but take you back in memory, uh, our show, The Big Idea, is actually sponsored by Master Spas, and I've been a brand ambassador for them. But the one of the best moments I've had in TV was when, and you're going to remember this, I know, on Brady, when we blew all the microphones and jumped in after remote controls and everybody got upset. <laughs> it was crazy. And it was the first uh, hot tub that actually had um, a floating remote. And I was like, all right, that's okay, Wayne, I'll go get that. <laughs> and then they made us reach, we shot it and they couldn't believe it. And then they made us re <laughs> jump back in and reshoot it at the end of the show. And, and, and exactly, and then jump back in for everything that they got all over our ass for because we blew every microphone out of the water. <laughs> but so at that I, point, I, I think even at that point, was the show might not have been renewed. So it was the ah, whatever. We're just gonna we're gonna burn this I show. I think we already had talked about that, and the the producer said including the executive person, just go for it. We're not going to tell Wayne. And it's like, boom, boom, boom. It was, right? And Ellen did it. It was us and Ellen Kay yep. uh, and, and, and Wayne, the four of us. It was <laughs> fabulous. It was absolutely fabulous. Um, one of the things that I you were a big part of, and, and well, there's two things I'm excited to talk about. One, um, the voice. Just tell, what's it like? That's like a concert, right? I mean. You know, it's so funny because I the one – where I have been very lucky with this COVID stuff is even though you heard me say like some of my shows haven't come back, I know warm up guys that haven't worked since March of 2020 still. Like really good guys, people who have families, people who can't even have get benefits because they've not worked. And I'm just lucky that the shows that I've been on have been coming back. But yeah, no, The Voice, um, I knew the voice was going to be a hit when I got there, not just because of the, the talent that was on it, but like it was different. When I met with the producers, the very first note they gave me, because at the time I was doing, I had been still kind of doing Idol and been doing all these other shows, and I had started to do X Factor. And the thing that made the voice different was they're like, it's a positive show, no booing. We're here to support everybody. And if we boo, they're, they kick the audience member out. Okay. And that was like, oh, this is the shift. And that was the shift. And um, and it was and it was just great. No, the the voice is, is so much fun. I mean, I, I can't What's believe your audience that. size there now. Well, right now it's only 150, but they test the entire audience before they come in and they're allowed to not wear masks. So normally at this time of year, we would have 400 people. And when we go live, we would have 700 to 1,000. So even when we go live, we're still only allowed, I think, like 200 people. We're not allowed. You got to think about that. I mean, and that's what's fascinating to me is for that moment in time, that's your job. You've got 200 people that you've got to get where they need to be mentally framed up, fired up, doing everything. Um, and you know, it's like, it's the, the thing that's the, the interesting back and forth, like the, the, the voice has been cool because like, you know, all the coaches that have come through and like, I, you know, it's like, I don't want to say you're not friends with them, but you have a relationship with them and then they get to know you and then they get to trust sure. you and they become part of the show. 
But like when Miley Cyrus came on, I did Hannah Montana. So I've known Miley since she's been 12. So it's like when she came on as a coach during the breaks, she she was like, ah, forget the producers. She would get up and walk around with me during the show and sign autographs. And like she would bring her own shirts and sign shirts and give them away to the audience and everything. We have we had a lot of fun together on that show, but it's like it's a big concert. I mean, I can't lie. There's nothing cooler for for to be a a boomer a boomer term, but like there's nothing more amazing than like getting up there and getting a thousand people to throw their hands up in the air and get them going and throw shirts. And then you introduce these coaches and then the coaches high five. Like, like you said, you're building the energy for everybody. I mean, even, even last year, you know, Kelly Clarkson was left out on stage and I, I, I felt so bad for her and I played since you've been gone. And I don't normally get to play a lot of music because we always shoot reality. And then she heard the song and the audience all started singing and I got the audience to stand and we all jumped during the chorus. Well, and I've, I've, I've been there and seen it happen. I mean, it's- it was amazing. But the best part about it was it was like the 25th anniversary of the song or something or the 20th anniversary of the song. And then the clip went everywhere and she sang along with us and it was like amazing. And it's those moments that like sometimes you don't get to see that are like these great moments that happen off camera. He gave me a book on art forgery. I found myself drawn to these old masters. How did these artists take paint from a palette arrange it on a canvas, I began to unlock the secrets. I was a storehouse of knowledge of how to create an illusion, present it to a experienced expert, manipulate his mind, and convince him and bring him to the inevitable conclusion that the painting is genuine. We flooded the market with my paintings, and I couldn't believe what I did. I couldn't believe it. Then the dominoes started falling, and eventually the FBI were led to my door. They uncovered a mountain of evidence against me. But they never actually got you. At this point, you've sold a lot. You've got like a million dollars in cash. You sold (laughs) one painting for 717000 Why did it go away? Why did you never get indicted? How are we having this conversation? (laughs) I guess that's the greatest story of all. To hear how Ken Perenni made millions in art forgery, dodged the mafia and the FBI, subscribe to The Jordan Harbinger Show and check out episode 282 in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening now. You've done a ton of award shows, too. How do you compare warming up? Because... So this different. is this is something that intrigues me. Uh, you know, on one side, you're warming up fans and the public and adorning fans, right? Yeah. The award show side, you're keeping talent and celebrities and people that are, I mean, and award shows are long. But how do you, how do you pivot on that because you know it's just totally different like the like if i do the kids choice awards i know that if i'm like the rock is here they'll scream bts is here they'll scream you know it's so hard because everyone's attention spans when it comes to like award shows 
are like, okay, who's walking in? Who's where? What's happening? Or like Steven Spielberg comes in and he shakes Michael J. Fox's hand. You know, like moments that people really want to see. So it's 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 interesting because you become more of like an MC, more of a person that's just kind of like explaining what's going on through the night. And but again, like the Kids Choice Awards, I get them screaming or Teen Choice Awards or, you know, even Billboard. Like anytime you do a show outside L.A., the audiences are like so crazy fired up to be there. Right. Like a TV show shooting in our town and there's celebrities like I when I did that first season, the X Factor. We were doing arenas. We had, we like the first show that we did, we had 5,000 people in an arena, I think in Chicago. And we had another 5,000 people standing outside trying to get in. Like that doesn't happen in LA. You know, when you, when you do shows like in Vegas, I did a show last year. People are waiting to come in because they're like, oh, wow. It's like, you know, Billboard Music Awards were like that. We had a line of people just trying to get in. I just did Billboard a couple weeks ago. And uh, is that over in Vegas? They yeah, that in Vegas? yeah, it's just a different vibe. And what was fun about that show is in the front couple rows, you know, again, are the talent and the celebrities and stuff. And you know, you kind of stay away from them. I mean, there are certain celebrities that are awesome that want to get involved. Like, you know, I've done, I used to do, a, I used to do a rapper's delight bit. Um, and I would always find a celebrity that would come up and do it for the audience. And I mean, I've rapped with will smith i've rapped with ll cool j i've rapped with kevin hart i've rapped with like you know and i've pulled these people up to sing rapper's delight and we'll go back and forth like will smith before the kids choice or teen choice awards at the universal amphitheater like the last year we did it i brought put on rapper's delight and will smith walked by and i was like y'all it's will smith come on will i know you know rapper's delight and you know will never will not perform in front of a crowd or kids he's always at these shows and will took the mic and got on stage and just commanded the audience and everybody in my ear is like bill what's happening out there why is will smith on stage and it's so funny because they don't know what we're doing but like that's that awesome moment that we create right that's you're, you're putting on your own show i mean you've yeah. done you know and if one thing's for sure today is you know i i really am excited about accomplishing the putting a light magnifying light on what you do and how good you are and literally performing several hundred shows a year. I mean, that's what you do. And it's like, there's a ton of energy that goes into that. And it's not a six minute segment. Um, so what what's, what else is new? What's coming up for Bill Sindelar? What do you got on the burner? Cause you're always writing something. You're always I, doing I know, something. You know, it's honestly like, you know, that, that whole thing of, uh, I would be mad at myself, you know, cause you know, I love LA, but at some point I'll end up retiring to Hawaii or Cleveland. I mean, not that you could tell, but like to Hawaii or Cleveland. But like, I would be mad at myself if I woke up one day and my career ended or like I did whatever. And if I still didn't feel like I gave my all and stuff. So like, you know, I, I, I you know, I had, I started writing like maybe six years ago, but not super seriously. And then right like the year before COVID hit, I started to take writing seriously. I was like, people were like, you're funny. You should be, you should write. So, and, and, and then over the last like three years, I hired this lady who is amazing. Her name is Jen Grisanti. She used to do all the coverage for CBS. She used to be uh, Aaron Spelling's, um, uh, Aaron Spelling's uh, head of development, but she is a script consultant and 
She has changed my writing. She still works with people who are showrunners that have shows on air. Uh, she, like I finished a script and she was like, hey, she emailed me a couple weeks later. I've been breaking down shows and I think we need to change the cold open of your show a little bit. And I wasn't even working with her. So uh, I, I've been pursuing a lot of my writing. I started to do stand up. I took a step back just because it was really hard. to. It's hard to make people laugh because on some shows I have to wear a mask and some I don't. It's really hard to relate with people when you're wearing a mask and then right. get them to laugh. And I felt like it was counterproductive for me. But um, but no, I'm, I've been working a lot on my writing and um, I've been I've just been working a lot. And the truth is Night Court's one of my all time favorite shows. So if it were to come back for season two, it's like I would love to be ready and push my eight scripts across the table and be like, here are examples of my work. And I know every single of Night Court by like the back of my hand. And, right. I, and I, would, I would be a good writer because I can pull some nostalgia for you. But that's I mean, you're, you're, between between those shows that you've got going on. You're how many hours a week do you put into this? Because obviously, you got running back and forth and do it. But yeah, no, I mean, a couple of weeks ago, I was running. I had done nine shows in five days. Um. And I had gone back and forth. I was doing the talk. I was doing a new game show coming out for CBS called Superfan. Uh, then I came back to do the voice. Then I did the talk. And then I did Superfan. And then I did Night Court. Uh, <laughs> and then I went out of town. And I went out of town to do, uh, I went to see a concert that weekend. I'm like, I got to get out of here. And it was a concert I planned with my friends. And then I got a call from the Billboard Music Awards. They're like, hey, we decided we needed a warm up. Are you available? And I was like, oh my God, I'm in town. it was but it's so it's been really nice you know and it's hard because i've tried not to talk a lot about work lately um obviously we're doing it because of the interview but you know when covid was happening and i wasn't working there were a lot of warm-up guys other warm-up guys were working and stuff and it's hard and it's like you know i've gotten calls to do stuff and i've tried to help pass the buck so other folks can you know i'll tell you what i've had the pleasure on this show to have some pretty pretty incredible people on the show big names and and I, i'm so excited about what we've done today because it's a part of our industry and it's but it's success it's really about success it's really about whatever walk whatever genre whoever you are and the most important thing is that i hear all the time as i interview people whether like i've got the ceo of craft foods coming on tomorrow you know what i mean oh. like significant people that have made significant on roads. And the, the one thing we hear, I hear all the time is new ideas, never give up new. And you're to me, the epitome of it. Um, I just can't thank you enough for coming on and taking the time because I know you're busy and it's exhausting. But oh, and I've learned to just, I've learned to compart sketch, you know, I've learned to make me time. You know, we kind of talked about that earlier, but like, that was the thing. It was like, I have to make me time, but it's that thing of like, you know, man, when you work, you work. And when you don't, you're like, what am I going to do? So at least the talk schedule is not super, super hard and crazy. It's it's the doubling up of days because it's just like, you know, you never know you you never know when you're going to work again or you never know when you're going to sit on your couch because you entertain groups of people and you don't work for a year. And quite often people don't get a chance to. So what I love about this show is people get an opportunity to, to share a story and tell their story because it really it's a third party environment to say, and I step back from it and I go, wow, that's him. That's, 
that's the guy I know. You know what I mean? So, um, oh, no. dude, listen, the, a very fast story. I mean, I always say I'm the most famous person in America. No one knows. I'm probably <laughs> I've been on every single show that you probably have watched, but you've never seen me or right. corner and you see some guy doing this or clapping. Right. Uh, yeah, no, it's funny. It's I'll leave you with this. Uh, it's funny. I had a, somebody meet me once or I had I had just finished dancing with the stars and the bartender. I was at this gay bar in West Hollywood and I was like, I need to detox because when I do those kind of shows, I can't go to bed. My head is always I have an earpiece. You're listening to music. You're watching dancing. You're queuing applause. And I went to a bar and these women, you know, I was talking to some guy and these this bartender goes, hey, these women are screaming. I think they're talking to you. And I was like, those ladies? And I was like, hey. And they're like, it's you. It's you. And I was like, what? And they're like, the clap guy. You're the clap guy. Oh, no. Which, by the way, I did not get a date with the guy that I was talking yeah, to. Yeah, you're the clap guy. We'll end with that. Yeah, I'm the clap guy. If you see me in public, I'm also not the audience fluffer. Do not yeah. know that. Yeah. Well, we'll. Uh, I hope our paths cross again sometime. But it's. it's I awesome. hope so, man. It was great catching up with you. Thank you for sharing, and uh, you know, just have a great day. I love you, brother. Man, you too, man. Good luck with everything. Look at you. I mean, you're. Look at you keeping it going. Yeah. You. Yeah, that's right. Well, this this show was actually written for TV. Um, that yeah, the the big idea was actually written for TV, and we had. No, you always have those things going on, man. Now, someone needs to interview you. You're always the one that's thinking the next step. Come on, you were ahead of the game when it came to giving these shows with giving audiences everything and playing oh, game shows and stuff. You, you, you've been just as close as me of really taking off into something bigger, you know? Yeah, well, uh, like, time is on our side, I guess, right? <laughs> well, you know, at the end of the day, and I know you got to get going here, man, but at the end of the day, you know... The, the exciting, the scary thing about Hollywood is where's your next bill going to come from? Where's my next gig? But the exciting thing is all these freaking seeds that you've planted, one day you just need one of them to grow. And it changes everything. And that's why when people think overnight success, it's not overnight success. Like if, if I were to finally sell the TV show, I would be like, here's my first script. And this is what I've been doing for 23 years. Right. 23 years of work and manifestation, you know, a it's 23 like, year overnight sensation. It's like, that's, that's what it is, you know, and same with you. It's like, you've shot pilots and done so many things, dude. It just takes one, you know that. Yeah. I'm having a lot of fun with this one. And, and it's as, you know, segueing out of TV for this one, because it was a sense of timing actually with this show. Yep. Um, and the guy who actually co-created with this concept with me is Bill Getty, my former executive producer on The View. And um, we actually pitched, well, there's some big networks that liked it, but they were already had the, um, the process of, um, oh gosh, Adam Richman um, and uh, Modern Marvels. So yeah. the whole idea is this was, this was really, uh, dirty jobs for inventions that's what this thing started out at yeah right and then it came this direction and i'm super excited about it because all those things and i too by the way have written a few things because i never i could never do that before i didn't i didn't take the time and say because i've i've had a chance to step away from what it used yeah. to be what you and i used to do on daytime and the integration went from there to integration and the popularity it was like you know what just good good tv and getting people super excited 
and doing all this stuff. Um, but uh, yeah, it's fun. It's it's fun, and I'm just thrilled that I was able to shed a light, literally, on you, man. Thanks. Oh no, man, I appreciate it. Thank you. Anytime. Your your your, your turn's next, man. Thank Thanks, you, brother. All right, we'll see you. All right, take care. Bye, everybody. Bye.